Russia has intensified its military operations on the battlefield. As a result, after months of Russian forces' attempts to take Avdivka, the town fell. Amid these developments, the call to introduce more technological solutions grows louder. Ukraine has increased military production but still seeks more international support. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. The Explaining Ukraine podcast is produced by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I am a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist and chief editor of Ukraine World. I invite you to a regular conversation between my colleagues Anastasia Heresemchuk and Daria Senhayevska, journalists and analysts at Ukraine World, who analyzed key events in and around Ukraine during the last week. Let me remind you that Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Let me also remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the frontline areas at PayPal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. The situation on the front line in Ukraine is the most dangerous since the beginning of the full-scale invasion. The Russians are gradually moving forward in several parts. The Ukrainian forces have to find new solutions to the situation on the ground. Shifting from the positional warfare to maneuver, one is what the Ukrainian need, Ukrainians need and Ukraine is capable of uh, doing that under certain conditions. We are going to focus on what are these technological military solutions that could help to turn the tide of the war. Both Ukraine, Ukraine's and its partners' efforts are important in this regard and will uncover the diplomatic component of this endeavor. Surely we can't overlook the situation on the battleground. And uh, in this uh, case, I should definitely mention the uh, latest news from the front line, and uh, our attention will be drawn to uh, the uh, situation around Avdiivka. Uh, so the battle for Avdiivka lasted four months. In October 2023, the Russians launched a large-scale offensive against it, and Ukraine's defense forces defended it for a long time, and in late January, experts started talking about the critical situation and the need to withdraw the garrison, but this did not happen. In early February, the situation became critical, and the Russians almost succeeded in cutting off the supply routes. Um, but we uh, have to understand that Avdeevka is a small industrial town that is very close to Donetsk. And uh, we understand that for both sides of the war, Avdeevka was of great political and military importance. Russia uh, made no secret of the fact that Avdeevka was a key part of Vladimir Putin's re-election mid in um, March 2024. For Ukraine, Avdeevka was important as a major railway uh, junction and a powerful industrial center. The road connecting Donetsk, Horlivka, and Luhansk runs just a few kilometers away, and cutting it off would mean significantly complicating the logistics of enemy troops. Despite heavy losses, the Kremlin occupied Avdiivka, and some experts uh, envisage that the next big target for the Russian army might be Pokrovsk. Um, 
the, that is 40 kilometers west or closer to Salidova. However, um, Russian troops may also start moving north, that is towards Kramatorsk and uh, Slovyansk. Deputy commander of the 3rd Assault Brigade, uh, Maxim Zhorin, told that in the near future, the situation will be difficult not only in the area of Avdivka, but also in the south, and there is a great threat in the north, um, that is in Kharkiv Oblast and Kupiansk. And we need to be aware and understand that we need to prepare for extreme, um, like for extremely difficult, uh, heavy battles. And the Russians have been preparing for this um, all along, and um, they are preparing like reserves, forces, equipment. Um, and uh, now the time has come when they are starting to use all this on the battlefield. Um, Maxim Korinsky, who is a defender of uh, the 26th Separate Battalion of their uh, 47th Separate Assault Brigade fighting in Avdiivka, told that leaving the city was a reasonable decision and that the turning point of the battlefield would be in the spring. We know that Russia commits war crimes and uh, Avdiivka location was not an exception. Um, Donetsk prosecutors have launched an investigation on the fact that Russian soldiers killed unarmed Ukrainian prisoners of war in Avdivka and Vesela. This refers to two cases where um, we, we know they were previously reported via media. The first concerns with the shooting of six Ukrainian defenders at the Zenit position in Avdiivka. Five of them were seriously injured, but they basically couldn't move and uh, were waiting to be evacuated. The second alleged shooting took place near the village of Vesela in Bakhmut location, and the drone footage shows how, during the assault on Ukrainian positions, a Russian soldier shoots at a Black Point range first at one captured Ukrainian soldier and then mm, the second. Then the occupier finishes them with uh, an assault rifle and all episodes of inhuman, cruel attitude towards prisoners of wars would be investigated and surely all the war criminals uh, would be held accountable. That's indeed a terrible war crime and unfortunately Russia keeps committing them. Uh, on a daily basis in Ukraine, and um, the aggressor indeed uh, should be brought to justice and should bear responsibility for such actions. And um, despite uh, the alarming news from the front line, despite the reports on uh, continuous war crimes, Ukrainian forces still manage to uh, carry out the operations, do the actions, that are reasons to celebrate in this uh, during this tense period uh, of of the wartime. So the um, Ukrainian forces actually perform strategically important special operations that will affect the course of the war in general. And on fourteenth uh, of February, the main directorate of uh, intelligence of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine destroyed Russian large landing ship Caesar uh, Kunikov using Magurasi drones. And it has been the fifth large landing ship destroyed by Ukraine. Uh, and um, according to uh, certain data, this, this ship uh, was worth about $110 million. 
In total, Ukrainian forces have destroyed or damaged 28 uh, Russian uh, ships, and it's uh, since the beginning of the full-scale invasion. Talking about the uh, the destroyed uh, large landing ship, it has its uh, important role for, for Russian military in general. So after the idea of landing troops in Odessa and Mykolaiv failed, it was used for logistical purposes. So it basically carried important military cargo um, necessary for, uh, for the Russian troops in the south, in the southern direction. Uh, so um, why uh, Ukrainian forces chose this uh, exactly this uh, ship, uh, why was it important? Some might uh, claim that uh, these kind of uh, ships are easier to target, and that's true. They are easier uh, they are easier target than, for example, missile carriers. And missile carriers should be the main target, uh, but it's difficult to reach them. Uh, however, the destruction of uh, these kinds of uh, large landing ships uh, they are mm, they indicate a border border plan. So uh, n- now amphibious ships, as I've mentioned, are backup way of providing for the Russian groups in the south, especially after the attacks of Ukrainian forces on the Crimean bridge. So uh, after it was damaged, it uh, cannot be used for uh, carrying the military cargoes uh, the way it um, was used before these attacks. So uh, the naval the naval uh, routes are the key uh, logistical routes for Russians to get these supplies. So uh, Ukrainian forces destroying these kind of ships actually is fulfilling complex, co- a complex task of destroying Russian supply chains in the south and in Crimea in particular. So uh, these operations are a part of a broader strategy uh, to paralyze the Russian supplies exactly in that sector uh, of the uh, like big, uh, broader front, front line. And um, the British military, uh, British Ministry of Defense emphasized that actually Ukraine's action made it possible for Ukraine to seize the initiative at the Black Sea. Uh, so uh, this special operation is indeed something to celebrate, and uh, it is an important strategic uh, strategic action in terms of uh, in terms of uh, outlining uh, the course of war. And the last week was also marked by the effective actions in the air. Uh, Ukrainian uh, air forces managed to shoot down uh, six Russian fighter jets. These were four. Uh, Su-34 jets and two Su-35S uh, jets. And these effective instances of uh, modern weapons use as well as the uh, problems on the battlefields Ukraine is facing now uh, urgently raise the issue of providing more systemic technological solutions. And the key priority here is the systemic use of drones and respectively providing a sufficient number of them um, here we also should mention new systems of electronic warfare uh, in sufficient amounts, and Ukrainian um, Ukrainian producers, weapons producers, and uh, startuppers actually um, 
design new kinds of electronic warfare tools. However, Russians um, are not sluggish in uh, finding the ways to respond to it. So it's uh, it's constant battle of technologies. Another uh, focus here is long-range precision missiles. They are also a technological solution. And here uh, we heavily rely on the supplies from, from abroad. But uh, usage of long-range precision missiles are a key factor that could change the situation on the, on the battleground. And of course, I can't help mentioning modern fighter jets, uh, which we are waiting to get in, in, in summer this year. According to the uh, commander-in-chief uh, Alexander Sirsky, um, the new, uh, he uh, told that actually the new stage of warfare started and this stage is marked with the importance of technology. Mm, and uh, this war significantly increases the importance of technological pro- uh, progress in the armed forces of Ukraine and in the process of uh, of the fights of battles themselves. And um, as we've already seen, uh, the use of ground robotic platforms, for example, the use of remotely controlled modules, um, not only makes the the combat actions more effective, but it also saves the lives of our soldiers. And... Amid the um, numbers uh, of manpower, the number of the amount of manpower in the Russian army, which prevails Ukrainian manifold, uh, the care about the lives of Ukrainian soldiers is of paramount importance. Because no matter how sophisticated technologies uh, we use, uh, we need people. So uh, getting back back to these solutions, uh, the drones are of paramount importance, of course, because they let see the whole picture on the battlefield, not only certain parts of it. They also let coordinate actions more effectively and make uh, more precise strikes. So the use of uh, drones actually should be a system. So it's not only about uh, piloting a certain drone to drop a bomb. The whole spectrum, the whole range of uh, drones with different purposes should be used. These are strike drones, these are surveillance surveillance drones, etc. So they should be used as the whole complex. The one, the surveillance drones, they follow situation on the ground. Then the strike drones uh, get into action. Uh, The surveillance drones keep uh, keep following the situation, and if necessary, another strike drone can correct the correct fire. And um, the problem Ukraine is facing is actually lack of everything, meaning uh, ammunitions and modern technological things. Uh, and um, it is also very important to note here, and as uh, the commander in, com- commander-in-chief emphasized, it is the war not only uh, of people; it is the war of economies, and that is why uh, that is why the partners' support uh, to Ukraine is extremely important. Russia has a long army. Uh, Russia has a huge army. It has resources, and it has quite resilient economy that manages to um, overcome the consequences of sanctions and actually find the loopholes. That is why um, the 
um, technological prevalence on the battlefield is actually the way, the way out for Ukrainians not to lose this war. And to this end, Ukraine should create a capability accelerator that would manage the process of uh, integration of targeted tasks and also uh, adapt the use of uh, technologies, so to make technological solutions more systemic. And uh, in building this accelerator, the uh, bottom-up efforts make sense. Uh, because uh, some uh, small manufacturers actually provide the solutions. And uh, when they provide solutions, when they offer certain production, the task of the state is actually to uh, manage uh, manage this uh, production effectively and redistribute what is actually uh, produced. And uh, that is why not only the efficient amount of uh, modern weaponry is important, but the effective system of management. It is necessary to take more quick decisions. Uh, the use of technological solutions should be more complex and, of course, multi-component. And um, the um, creating of this system actually can uh, include uh, several stages and include several functions like problem definition on the battleground, then the development of solutions and making experiments how to solve them, then uh, purchase of tools, materials, weapons, their digital integration, uh, then these resources should be uh, smartly redistributed and then um, used and operationally improved. And Ukraine uh, is actively working on boosting its own production. And uh, Dasha, you, you have something to share about it, right? Uh, for sure. And I will start with a brisk overview of uh, op-ed written by Rostam Omerov, uh, who is the Minister of Defense of Ukraine. And uh, basically, in this short piece, he explains um, what is going on on this systemic level, as you mentioned. So, for the first time, the Ministry of Defense has formed an agreed requirement of um, like for 2024 at the level of the entire defense forces. Previously, each security agency developed its own requirements for the year, which sometimes contradicted or duplicated each other, and um, the Ministry of Defense led and systematized this process. The needs were not only formed, but also coordinated with the, the actual capabilities of Ukrainian producers, their scale-up plans, ability to procure abroad, plans to supply military and technical assistance from partners, and so on and so forth. And uh, as you mentioned, this crucial role of drones, I can't help but mentioning that the Ministry of Defense has ordered in the first, uh, like um, in 2024, the first batch of FPV drones in total state planes to purchase at least 1 million drones this year. Uh, previously, um, this was not the case. Uh, and the Ministry of De of Defense didn't procure this effective and uh, cost-efficient means of defeating the enemy. And the reason is that um, we lack clear criteria and rules for their use on the battlefield at the legislative level. So PPV drones have been purchased by volunteers, Ministry of Digital Transformation, like um, 
military administrations, however, not the Ministry of Defense. And this is just one example of the lack of this consistency in procurement of the armed forces. And as Umarov continues, the new team of the Ministry of Defense has changed its approach to planning the supply of weapons and um, the overall logistics for the military. Um, although time will show what, what happens next. Uh, according to Oleksandr Komishin, Minister of Strategic Industries, the capabilities of the Ukrainian defense industry have tripled this year compared to last year and are expected to grow six times more in 2024. And as we have already stated, drones are an integral part of modern warfare. Um, and we uh, can recall the events of the autumn when Prime Minister Denis Mahal said that their production had increased hundredfold times and more than 200 Ukrainian companies were developing them. Still, this is not enough for the front line given the intensity of the fighting in Ukraine. But uh, not only with drones, Ukraine uh, um, is, is growing its military muscles. In addition to this, uh, armed forces uh, also have a huge need for ammunition. Last autumn, for the first time since independence, mass production of 152mm artillery shells was launched. Um, and um, it's a scarce Soviet caliber that is difficult to find in um, like uh, stockpiles of our allies. Um, according to Ukrobaronprom, production is dispersed across a large number of cities to prevent destruction by uh, another Russian mis missile attack. In addition, production has been set up abroad uh, at the facilities of NATO countries. Uh, Ukrobaronprom started uh, like serial production of 82mm uh, and 122mm mortar shells and uh, basically uh, they are very effective and uh, well they are designed to like destroy engineering structures and lightly armored vehicles and um, it's of great importance for Ukraine too. Um, in early December we can recall that Volodymyr Zelensky announced uh, that Ukraine had launched the production of six Bodana self-propelled artillery system per month for the first time. It's a big number in uh, in case of uh, in case of talking about such kind of uh, weaponry. Uh, so basically, Bodana is the first 155 millimeter self-propelled howitzer developed by the Ukrainian defense industry. Um, basically, the work on this uh, weapon began in 2015 and was uh, first demonstrated in the summer of 2018. Initially, uh, Bogdana was supposed to enter service in 2020, but uh, preliminary fighting tests were com completed like uh, a month before Russia's full-scale invasion. Still, it showed its effectiveness on the battlefield, and we know not not one example of uh, of its efficiency. Uh, the Ministry of Defense also reported that the defense industry is working on a new long-range version of the Neptune missile. Uh, domestic enterprises produce like several um, anal uh, analogs of like Russian shahets and like uh, Nesta have already told about all other range of weaponry that is um, ongoingly developed produced, procured, and uh, we not only like rely on the support of Western partners, although it is 
of great importance, but also has something to tell in this interest in in this industry too. And uh, as uh, Zelensky pointed during Munich conference, the longer the war in Ukraine lasts, the more changes Russia will provoke in the world. And uh, um, like according to him, and I guess we all know that Ukraine has shattered the myth of Russia that it can capture any country in a few days, as well as the myth of Ukraine as some kind of unreal state. And I want to sum this um, block by um, another uh, quote of his, that Avil will never win if the forces of good are united and act together. And in this case, I guess we should talk about forces of good that are united they are united through Rammstein meeting, right? Yes, Dasha. And uh, what you've just mentioned is extremely important in this regard, because indeed, even though Ukraine is uh, is developing its capabilities and is producing more and more uh, weapons that it needs so badly, still we have to rely on uh, our partners' support to a great extent. And in, in, in these terms, on the 14th of February, the 19th uh, meeting in Rammstein format took place and uh, several important decisions were taken there. The air defense capabilities of Ukraine were in focus on this meeting. And in, in these terms, the coalition uh, of integrated air and missile defense uh, officially started its work. And uh, 15 countries have already joined this coalition. The leaders of this endeavor are Germany, France, and the United States of America. And this, um, um, like strengthening the air defense capabilities of Ukraine is of paramount importance indeed, because uh, Ukrainians uh, still suffer from intensive uh, attacks by Russia from the air. And uh, it is critically important to be able to defend the rear of Ukraine. Uh, here we talk about the lives of Ukrainians, here we talk about the uh, economic, uh, economic capabilities of Ukraine, etc. And of course, we are talking about infrastructure. That is why uh, the functioning uh, rear of Ukraine is extremely important uh, for um, reaching our goals on the front lines. And air defense systems are, of course, needed also uh, in the battlegrounds uh, to stop Russian domination in the air, also in the areas of uh, of combat actions. Um, we've talked about the lack of artillery systems and projectiles, and our Western partners understand this need and understand Ukrainian concern. Mm, and regarding this problem, uh, the sites, the participants of this format uh, also discussed the joint production of artillery systems and projectiles. Uh, and um, again, the as we've already to talked today, that uh, Ukraine badly needs the unmanned systems. And uh, this topic was, was also one of the uh, key ones that were discussed during this meeting. And Ukraine is going to strengthen the cooperation with uh, its partners in the matter of uh, UAV's production. And uh, the work of the drone coalition was officially launched during that meeting. And, the, uh, and eight countries have already joined it. Sweden, Great Britain, Denmark, Germany, Lithuania, Estonia, the Netherlands and Latvia. 
it is also necessary to mention here that the IT coalition that was formed uh, several meetings ago uh, actually uh, started its effective work and uh, the cooperation agreement in IT coalition was already signed. It was decided that um, thanks to work of this coalition, Ukraine will be able to change experience in the application of innovative technologies and uh, f- carry out joint projects in this sphere with its partners. And uh, again, um, this kind of cooperation and this kind of focus uh, responds to the needs of technological solution for, for Ukraine. And uh, what is also positive here, and what we also should mention, that actually Ukraine's partners themselves spoke about the need to provide Ukraine with long-range weapons. So um, even though it's quite late uh, to understand it, it's still better than never. Uh, so we hope for uh, for the supplies of more long-range weapons, including long-range missiles to Ukraine. Meanwhile, uh, I, I would add a, a little bit of bad news to this um, portion of good news. Uh, we can't help saying that uh, the U.S. didn't manage to approve the aid package uh, for Ukraine, and the Speaker of the House of Representatives like just doesn't want to bring uh, um, to bring up the uh, aid package to Ukraine for consideration. So it was not even proposed for vote in the House of Representatives. This situation is quite alar- alarming because Ukraine uh, heavily relies on this aid package. However, even though it's a problematic issue still, Ukraine together with its partners is looking for the ways out. So uh, it is problematic, but let's say it's not a catastrophe or complete disaster. Uh, Even though Ukraine needs this aid package so much. And actually this stance of the House of Representatives and some of its representatives actually evokes criticism among uh, global leaders. And the uh, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg actually told that the United States blocking of aid to Ukraine is already affecting the situation on the battlefield, pointing at some territorial uh, losses by Ukraine. But uh, getting from this negative pinch of news, let's uh, focus a little bit more on the diplomatic aspect, diplomatic dimension of uh, Ukrainian and its partners' endeavor to uh, change situation on the ground and to find effective solutions. Uh, yes, and um, indeed we understand that uh, the United States uh, is crucial uh, and uh, as some may say, and they would be right in saying that it's a strategic partner, Ukraine. And uh, the um, like views on this situation are almost not equivocal. I mean, um, as a lot of politicians and uh, like experts told that Reagan would turning around in his grave if he knew that that is going to take place. But... Um, um, if we talk about positive sides, we can't um, help but mentioning that um, Zelensky met with some European leaders and uh, the 
um, idea for the support of Ukraine as a nation in struggle, who's who, which is fighting for not only uh, sovereignty but also like European values and European choice, uh, European lifestyle, and it proved that uh, basically both in um, Germany and in France we uh, we have uh, our partners on whom we can rely. Um, and as part of the security agreement, France will provide up to 3 billion euros in military aid in 2024. That was reported by deputy head of the office of the president, Igor Shovkla. Um, basically, the support will last for 10 years of this agreement. And at joint briefing with Macron, Zelensky said that Ukraine would receive a new uh, military aid, including Caesar self-propelled artillery systems. And we know the importance of such weapon on the uh, on the battlefield. The package will also include artillery shells and additional air defense reinforcements. And during Zelensky's visit to Germany, the two countries signed a like a security cooperation agreement that um, announces a new like uh, a portion of aid of around 1.1 billion euros for Ukraine and uh, we see that firstly it was the case with the United Kingdom for this like strategic partnership for 10 years then now we have uh, the picture of uh, dealing with the, the the same matter with France and um, I guess uh, the sometime some time ago uh, economist uh, wrote that uh, we should prepare for a long war and basically that's what we see now in actions so this plans for uh, long lasting you know years of support um, this uh, some symbolic visits and uh, holding conversation on uh, that it the evil uh, could be defeated but uh, the only thing we need is uh, the will of the good and uh, these uh, these agreements and these meetings uh, of Ukrainian President Lansky with uh, German and French leaders uh, was uh, were a part of uh, his uh, foreign trip, foreign official trip to Europe to take part in the Munich Security Conference. And uh, I would just uh, like to outline the general moods that uh, were prevailing. Uh, at the Munich Security Conference. So it's an international platform to discuss world security problems and it gives uh, the world the understanding of global's leaders, global leaders' strategic thought, their moods, uh, their ideas, how to cope with current security problems and their biggest concerns. Uh, Ukraine was paid attention to uh, during... Uh, at this year's edition of the Munich Security Conference. However, um, the context, the global security context has already changed after the previous year's edition. So um, Ukraine, of course, was not the only focus of this year's uh, conference. I would say, unfortunately, it gained less attention than uh, the Last, than last year. Uh, however, the global moods, let's say, are more gloomy and the global leaders are getting um, closer and closer to the understanding that actually the world is in global crisis that uh, is the consequence of Russian actions. So now the world is focusing on 
more complex on more complex picture of what is going on and that is positive that the the world leaders see that the russian actions actually lead to uh to the manifestation of this negative uh, forces of uh, dictatorships and uh, the actions of such regimes uh, and the russian um, success or like the absence of opportunity for ukraine uh to win in this war as for now actually uh gives free hand to these kind of regimes worldwide and it leads to a global security crisis and makes the security problems even more burning and even we if uh, we don't talk about the direct attack of uh, russia on some european countries still such opportunities such possibilities shouldn't be omitted from attention and um it is was it was actually very important also that like one of the biggest conclusions is that europe is getting to take this threat more seriously and at uh, this year's munich security conference it was germany that focused on the russian threat the most and germany was focused on the necessity to support ukraine um even even more uh it was that state actually which mm, tried to move forward and to advocate the uh i wouldn't say that advocated the interests of ukraine it advocated the interests of secure and safe europe so when we talk about the necessity for weapon supplies of financial aid for ukraine it's not about moaning or complaints by ukrainians our people are standing up against powerful uh much more numerous enemy and uh, ukraine asks to help to protect not only itself so we are asking to protect not only ukraine but europe it's about the values it's about the global order it's about the europe the way we used to uh see it it's about the um, the rule of law the rule of international law so dangerous are much deeper than losing ukraine uh russian success is already having geopolitical consequences and even if russia doesn't go further um putting its boots on the ground it doesn't mean that it will not use unconventional means of warfare more actively it is actually already using them and the domination of dictatorships would lead to the end of the world uh, based on order and um, ukrainians don't need pity we live and struggle ourselves our people die our army find solutions but we still work we study we laugh we quarrel we make our lives go on and we aren't begging or moaning there is this widespread thought that the world is tired of war of the war in ukraine but these are ukrainians who are actually enduring a heavy burden we are tired but we are moving forward and what we need is justice what we ask is partnership and real effective assistance we aren't actually emotional here we are pragmatic because we are at the forefront of the world based on values and if 
notes values than international law, according to which the internationally recognized borders are unviolable. That, wa- that is it for today's episode, and thank you for listening to us. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist, and chief editor of Ukraine World. This was a regular conversation between my colleagues Anastasia Hrysimchuk and Darya Sinhaevska, journalist and analyst at Ukraine World. They analyzed key events in and around Ukraine during the last week. Let me remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at PayPal, ukraine.resisting, gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.